Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. You men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Him, verse 23, who's the him? All of this is pointing to what Jesus Christ did on Calvary's cross for you and for I. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel, and here it is, and foreknowledge of God. Before something happens, There's knowledge of it. Him, that's Jesus Christ, being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you've taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. It's pointing that God the Father, God knows, God knew, God foreknew, the exact plan and purpose of salvation. That's what the specific context of this foreknowledge is. Before something happens, you have knowledge of it. It's concerning Christ. A prophecy isn't necessarily foreknowledge. A prophecy is declared truth. Whether future truth or whether present truth. When we declare, uh, if we have a word of prophecy and it's about future things, it better be in line with the book of Revelation or the book of Daniel or the things that have already been scripted for us to learn about what will happen. Those are God's ways. Those ways he knows. Those ways are not going to be changed. But this Pointing to Jesus Christ, we see it all the way from Genesis to Revelation. And that foreknowledge of God is known by him. It was never not known by him. He can never not know it. Back in Genesis 3, the Lord God made coats of skin and clothed them, Adam and Eve. All the way at the end towards the book of Revelation, in in Revelation 3, that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. God's plan of salvation from Genesis to Revelation is foreknown by God. When you hear this term from the foundation of the world that starts at creation and those things from the foundation of the world, those things are known by God. They can't not be known by God. But there is another term in the Bible that is phrased before the foundation of the world. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to make a distinction on these phrases from, it's the start at creation, and then before the foundation of the world in verse number 4 of Ephesians 1. Bible says, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love. 
Us in him would be us in who? Christ. We understand that. Before the foundation of the world. Except nobody was born before the foundation of the world. And you can't be in Christ before the foundation of the world until you're born and nobody was born before the foundation of the world. But before the foundation of the world was Christ. So when you are in him, you know what was foreknown by God? All those that would be in him before the foundation of the world, God determined. He knew that all those that would be in him would be holy and without blame in love under the adoption of children by Christ according to good pleasure of his will. But this is dealing with God's, when you're looking at these phrases before the foundation of the world. These phrases, when they show up, have to deal with God the Father's relationship with the eternal word, God the word, Jesus Christ. That's the specific context. Because there's a time when there were no people. It's the eternal word in relation with the eternal God the Father, three and one, one and three. First Peter one. First Peter one. We see the same context, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who, who's the who, Christ, verily was foreordained, here's the phrase, before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these times for you. It's dealing with salvation's plan. Before people were born. It's a relationship with God the Father and God the Son that is being dealt with. John 17. Verse number 24. John 17, 24. Jesus speaking. Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou, who's thou, the Father, he's, right? God the Father he's speaking with, hast given me, who's that? Jesus Christ. For thou lovest me, when? Before the foundation of the world. All three times that we see the phrase before the foundation of the world, it is all in reference to the relationship between the eternal word and God the Father. And as we see it in John 17. Let's go back to the Old Testament in the book of Isaiah. And we'll grab the 55th verse or chapter. Isaiah 55. When you or I or any Christian tries to get some knowledge about the knowledge of God, it should help us to realize that our knowledge is limited. My exposition of the word is limited. My ability to explain God's knowledge in its entirety is very difficult, if not impossible, because we're dealing with an eternal word and finite minds, finite preachers that don't 
have the infinite mind of God. But at least we get to dig in the word. I, I mean, I like a God that knows more than I do. <laughs> I'd feel pretty insecure if it was all on me. Uh, and I'm sure you would as well. Verse 6, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Tells me there's going to be a time where he's not going to be. Call ye upon him while he is near. That would tell me there's going to be a time when he's not going to be near. Let the wicked forsake his way. That would tell me that God's ways aren't wicked. And he's telling them to forsake something. That's their responsibility. And the unrighteous man is thoughts. And let him return on the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God. For he will abundantly pardon men versus God. Here's what you are. Here's what I can do for you. Verse 8, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. God knows all of his ways. God knows all of his thoughts. God knows all that he had foreordained between the relationship between God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, one and three, three and one, salvation's plan. He knows all of those things. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. I'm going to try. I've been trying to give you some thoughts concerning God's knowledge and God's foreknowledge. But that's about all I can do. His ways and thoughts are way, way higher. Go to Isaiah 42. That's, um, I believe, something we need to keep in mind. We're going to study the knowledge of God, but knowing his knowledge is so much higher. Isaiah 42. Verse number nine. Behold. The former things are come to pass. And no new things do I declare. Before they spring forth. You see that? Before they spring forth, I, that's God, tell you, that's the nation, of them. <laughs> How about that? God has some really unique knowledge here. So we take a verse like this and we have to be careful that we don't just apply it to everything. And so what I am trying to do is take that camera lens and draw it back as we close out this study. Look at verse number one. What's the context? Behold, my servant, whom I behold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighted. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles, he shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. He shall not fail, nor be discouraged, till he had set judgment in the earth, and the isle shall wait for his law. You know what you've got? A description of who? Jesus Christ. Mighty life. Jesus Christ. Who he is. Why he has been appointed. 
And when you go through this chapter, you see, and even in Isaiah, the sovereignty of God over every single idol you can think of. He's so much higher than that. His thoughts are higher than that. His knowledge is higher than that. He's sovereign all, over all of that. But we are dealing with this. Behold, I could bring forth things before they are new, what that verse said. That's God can do that. And he has done that and he will continue to do that. But it is about him. Verse number seven, to open the blind eyes. God knows that he can do that. And nothing will ever change that. That is a foreknown truth, a declared absolute truth to bring out the prisoners from the prison and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. Why? I am the Lord. God can do that. He will do that. And all this talk about deliverance, it's a bunch of hogwash. God will bring anyone out of darkness. That's foreknown. It'll never change. We have been delivered out of darkness through the power of the gospel. Not from the power of a man, but through the power of the gospel. It's spiritual deliverance. You see that declared truth in verse number eight. And my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. It's, he's declaring, you want evidence that there's God and proof that there's God? Here it is. He's declaring who he is. He knows who he is. When he's coming the first time, the second time, prophetic truths come to pass. And anybody who's honest can read the word of God and get enough prophetic truth to merit them the knowledge that God's ways never change. But that's what, that's what we've got here. I mean, keep your finger in, in Isaiah. I want to take a little rabbit trail in First Peter. In First Peter. Look at chapter 2, 1 Peter 2. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but now are the people of God, which had obtained mercy, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. God knows that's true all the time. It's never going to change. That's God's foreknowledge. You know what that is? Deliverance. There's your deliverance. Galatians 1, you don't have to turn there. Who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present world according to the deliverance preacher? No. According to some liar that calls himself part of the apostolic ministry and has apostolic sign gifts and wants to be called an apostle. No, he's not. He's not an apostle. He's not going to deliver you. It is according to the will of God 
and our Father. The will of God, the, not the foreknowledge of God, all of that is wrapped into He is the deliverer out of suffering. 2 Timothy 4.18, you don't have to turn there, and the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work. Okay? He's going to preserve me. Let's go back to Isaiah. When you hear somebody say to you, and I know you might think I'm parking on this too long, but the NAR, the New Apostolic Reformation crowd, it is growing in leaps and bounds. They are targeting four areas, and they are taking advantage of them. It's the old TV evangelist that uh, is trying to scam somebody online to send them the money, or the how old people used to get uh, scammed with phone calls, you know, how they used to happen 20 years ago. And it's the same idea. The new apostolic reformation crowd, every single one of those ministries and those men, they are not of God. They are taking deliverance passages that have reference to Old Testament Israel, and they're trying to make it apply to the church. They're taking sign gifts that were given to apostles who have all since died out and nobody meets the qualification of an apostle anymore. You didn't witness the resurrection of Christ. Neither did I. You didn't walk the earth with Christ. Neither did I. Because we have a more sure word of prophecy. We don't need signs, wonders, and miracles. And this has to be said because this crowd is growing. You can drive 45 minutes to Mount Juliet and find one of the biggest heretics you'll find. New Apostolic Reformation. Liar. Liar. I've got a deliverer, and it's not me, you, or any man. Isaiah 40. Isaiah 46. Concerning God's knowledge, Isaiah 46. Look at verse... Nine. A key in here with me. Remember the former things of old. For I am God. And there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. Declaration of who he is. Verse 10 starts with declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times. The things that are not yet done. Who can do that? We know God has the knowledge and the power and the ability to do that. Saying, my counsel shall stand. And I will do all my pleasure. Whose counsel is it? Whose pleasure is it? Verse 11, calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man executeth my counsel from the far country. Yea, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. God is the one who does it. God is the one who has controlled that plan of salvation. He can declare the beginning from the end. 
Do you know why that has to be? Because your mind would never have found rest. And my spirit would have never found rest unless there was a solid rock to stand. This is why people go from belief to philosophy to world. I mean, they just start. Only God can predict all the future things that he has chosen and foreordained will come to pass. Those are his counsels. Those are his ways. And those are his pleasures. From the beginning, declaring the end from the beginning. There's none like me. If I say it, if it's my will, if it's my pleasure, I know them and they will not change. That's God's knowledge concerning him and who he is. All right, let's get out of Isaiah, go to the book of Jeremiah. A lot of stuff in Jeremiah concerning this. Verse number four. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, came unto Jeremiah. And God tells Jeremiah, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. God knew him. He formed him. He ordained them. Watch Jeremiah's response. Then said I, ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. That's how we should come to God. Watch what else the Lord says. It's all about who he is. But the Lord said unto me, say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I send thee. God's doing the sending. And whatsoever I command me, thou shalt speak. I know this is Jeremiah, and he's eventually going to be weeping over his nation. What can I say to you this morning? What did God command us to speak in the world? I'm going to keep fishing for a witness until I get an answer. Honestly, what? words does God want coming out of your mouth and my mouth when we are outside of the four walls of the church the gospel the gospel why would you try to win an argument on something else when a lost person needs to hear the gospel Can I park here for a minute? Two weekends ago, we were down at Dogwood Park, and before I know it, there's Seventh-day Adventist there. I'm sure I told you the story. And you know what I could have gotten tied up doing? Arguing about what day we should worship on, Saturday or Sunday. Arguing whether or not salvation is by faith and grace, and I'm not going to convince them anyway. And let all the people that God loved enough to die for. I can let all of those people leave without hearing the gospel proclaimed. Do I want Seventh-day Adventists to be saved? Yes. But God had our church there for a purpose. 
to declare the gospel. Not win an argument with the Seventh-day Adventist who likely is just going to keep doing what they've always done. So how do you handle that? I'm not going to talk to you or argue you with you about this today. I just don't want any of your literature on our stop. But if you want to talk about it, call, email, I'll do a Bible study. I'll sit down with you during the week. Because you have been given words by God to go out and preach. And it's his death and his burial and his resurrection. And as much as I'd like to win an argument with a free will Baptist over eternal security, I'm much happier that a free will Baptist is out there trying to preach the gospel. I'll put my arm around him and say, keep it up. Good job. Go ahead and let her rip. <laughs> that is our command. There isn't anybody in town that's probably more eager to see the rock and roll church get rid of all their garbage. But if they're out in the public arena and they're preaching the gospel, I'm not going to wear them out about a drum set. And neither should you. Just be thankful they're out there and the gospel's being preached. God gave you the words. You and I need to get off of our soapbox like we talked about this morning. We got too much Alex Jones in our head and not enough Jesus Christ in our head. Jeremiah 31. Look at verse 34. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will Remember their sin no more. It's an attribute and a character of God that if he's not going to remember their sin no more, that tells me he's powerful enough to remember things he chooses to remember and not remember things he doesn't want to. Look at verse 27 so we can get some context. It says, I will sow the house of Israel. He's declaring who he is and what he can do. I have watched over them. Verse 28. Verse number, watch their responsibility in verse 28. So will I watch over them. Verse 29, those days they shall say no more. God knows what he's going to do. Look, they shall say no more. The fathers have eaten the sour grape and the children's teeth are set on edge. Uh, look at verse 30. But everyone shall die for his own iniquity. Uh, verse 31. I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. Verse number 32. It's not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break. It got, got, got nothing wrong with God. There's something wrong with them. It's 
I verse they. It's I, God verse they. Although I was husband to them, saith the Lord. They were unfaithful. The Lord has never and will, will never be unfaithful to you. Have you been unfaithful to him? <laughs> okay. But he's not going that direction. This, this is God's knowledge. This is his foreknowledge. This is the, the truth of who he is. And by the time we get, okay, verse 33, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after these days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts. I will write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. Who's going to do that? God is going to do that. You know how many chances the nation of Israel had? They blew it every time. God is going to do something so miraculous that all of their stupidity and sinfulness and unfaithfulness, God is going to erase it from his memory and he will not remember it anymore. It is not the fact of me saying to you, God can't know all things. That is not the that is not as what is at question here. God can know all things if he chooses to know all things. In other words, God omnipotent reigneth. He is so powerful that he can choose to know things and choose not to know things. You are not powerful enough to do that. Any older brother, any older sister can testify to the fact that you remembered exactly what your younger brother or sister did yesterday and last week and last month. Not so with God. Well, God knows all things. No, he doesn't. Are you saying God can't know all things? No, I didn't. What I'm saying is God is powerful enough to know the things that he chooses to know and to forget some things that he wants to forget. Not because he has amnesia. Husbands have that. <laughs> Weren't you supposed to? You know, I just forgot. And there comes a, another honey-do list. I must have misplaced it. God doesn't have amnesia. You just, and I just, and it's hard to understand how God can be so powerful that he can just choose to not remember just how wicked Israel was. He's going to do the same thing with us. Same thing with us. This does not diminish him as God. He demonstrates his omnipotence and in his, in his ability to limit his knowledge if God so chooses to do so, he can do it. God knows all of the things that he chooses to know. The reason this doesn't diminish God is because if God knew everything, we would have a major problem. And it would be this. You would have to say that God knows how to lie. God does not know all things. What doesn't he know? He doesn't know how to lie. He can't lie. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. 
someone could bring a charge against God's character and say, you know what? I'm not going to come to Christ because I think God might lie. No, no, no. He can't lie. But I've been lied to. I know. You've been following the father of all lies, just like me. You've been lied to. You've been lied to. A Christian's lied to you. A Christian's been unfaithful to you. Look, we get all that. But we're pointing you to somebody who is faithful and, and he doesn't know all things. What do you mean? He can't lie and he won't lie to you. If you say that God knows everything, you have an additional problem. Bible says in Habakkuk 1.3, thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil. And here's what God cannot do. And canst not look on iniquity. I'm telling you, God is not fellowshipping with sin. He's judging. God stands in judgment against it. And all this wickedness that's been going on since the Old Testament. Children being sacrificed. And all of the wickedness that has gone on. And like I told you, I think uh, Sister Cindy was a bold witness yesterday. When we finally got to where she was witness into this pervert. Who calls himself a preacher for that homo crowd? And she said, she said to me, Brother Jimmy, I want you to talk to this man. He's one of the men that the Bible, where the God describes, he should be one of the ones that have a millstone tied around his neck. The only time in the Bible where I can see, unless you, I mean, we're not going to un unpack Samson, but. The only, the only time in the Bible I can see where God says it's a good idea to commit suicide is if someone's going to mess with kids. God says it's better for you to tie a millstone around your neck and drown yourself. So we're going to take a strong stance in that direction. Anybody wants to try to mess with kids, don't let the door hit you with a good Lord's you. You're out. And this man... You know who he had rallying around him? A bunch of young people. You know how long he wanted to talk to us? As quick as he can run away. But God has, his eyes are so pure to behold evil. He can't not look on iniquity. Uh, the other thing we have a problem, if we say that God knows everything, it, if we say God knows everything, it actually does diminish his attribute of who he is because then we would have to say that God knows how to change. But the immutability of his counsel, Hebrews uh, 6, he can't, it, he can't change. Malachi 3, for I am the Lord, I change not. God knows everything. Does God know how to change? No, he doesn't. All of his ways he knows are fixed. He's not going to change. He'll change you. He'll change you. He'll change me. His character, his ways, his commands, his counsel, who he is, will not change. God cannot change. God cannot lie. God can't not look upon a look on iniquity. God's character, his attribute of his knowledge, is that he is so powerful, he can place limits on what he can know and what he can remember. And that's just who he, that seems to me is what who he is. And it helps us to be able to handle all of the verses concerning his knowledge and his foreknowledge. 
which is a tall task. You start talking about God's knowledge and it's, well, what about this verse? What about this verse? You have to run all of the verses to really get a, okay, what is all this? If you're going to ask what God can know, you must ask, what can God not know? And he's not going to know your sin. He's not going to know Israel's wickedness. And he's not going to know how to lie, change, and none of that. All right, we'll do three more verses, and then we'll close it out. Go to Jeremiah 7. Jeremiah 7. It would be blasphemous to say God can't know something. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't recommend you say that. Instead, God can choose to limit his knowledge. He's that powerful. He can know something if he wants to. He can try. He can search. The immutability of his counsel is much higher. His thoughts, ways is much higher than our ways. If he wants to, he can. He's God. It's not that he can't have knowledge is that he chooses to not have knowledge of some things. He is not participating and somehow in the midst of all the wickedness that's going on this month. I'm sorry, he's not. He's not in the filth of the internet. Your eyes may be in it. I hope not. Your ears may be listening to some junk. God's not. He wants to hear the praises of his saints. Jeremiah 7, 31. Bible says, and they have built the high places of Tophet, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to burn their sons and their daughters in the fire. And all the mamas say, who in the world will do something like that? Yeah, watch what God says. Which I commanded them not, neither came it into my heart. There are some things I don't want in my heart. Ladies especially, children more specifically. There's some things I don't want you to know about. There was something that didn't even come into God's heart. You mean they're, yeah, they were doing that. You mean that guy was involved in that? That never came into my heart. Yeah. Now that it is, how do you feel? Like I want to puke? There's some wicked things that God wished would never have happened. But they did happen. And then it came into his heart and he knew it and okay. But how do you deal with that verse when it says... Neither came it into my heart. It eventually reached his heart and it grieved him. God help us. We do things that grieve God. Jeremiah 32, 35. 32, 35. We see the same idea here. Verse 34. But they set their abominations in the house which is called by my name to defile. A lot of what's going on in American Christianity is set up in the church house, and they're trying to name it of God, but it's not. Verse 35, and they built the high places of Baal, 
which are in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to cause their sons and their daughters to end up at Dogwood Park in front of drag queens, giving them. You tell me the Bible's not current. That's not what it says. There's an application there. Calls their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire and the molech, which I commanded them not. Neither came it into my mind, and they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. That nation started getting involved in some wicked stuff. God says, it didn't come to my mind. Do you know how many people that live down south say, I can't believe this came to my town. I can't believe this is in the buckle of the Bible belt. That buckle's been thrown out a long time ago. I got news for you. The biggest churches that you'll find in this state, you might as well just put them right in here. Well, you can't say that. Why not? It's true. They don't care about your kids. It's anything goes. It's just a sad day. To but concerning God's knowledge, he's not hanging out with this crowd, but it came to his mind, wow, I that's really bad. <laughs> we do the same, the same thing. Last one in verse Jeremiah, or the book of Jeremiah, chapter 51. We'll finish here and we'll close out. Jeremiah 51. Look at verse. 14, Jeremiah 51, verse 14, we'll close here. The Lord of hosts hath sworn by himself, saying, Surely I will fill thee with men, as with caterpillars, they shall lift up a shout against thee. He, that's God, hath made the earth by his power. He hath established the world by his wisdom, and hath stretched out the heaven by his understanding. He did it all by himself. He does the filling. He made it. He established it. He understands it. So as we shift from this idea of wickedness of man, we're closing now. We're going back to now God knows all things. What's the context about his creation? Everything in the created world, foreknowledge, knowledge, all of that, God knows it. It's his creation. His wisdom, his understanding, all of it. He knows all things and everything concerning his creation. I'll give you two examples as we finish out of this verse. If you've been married any length of time, wives can almost predict what their husbands are going to do in a certain situation. Husbands can almost predict what their wives are going to do in a situation. Oh, this happened. Okay, this is going to happen next. Watch this. Some couples make a game out. If you have children, you somehow know exactly 
how that situation is going to play out. Why? Because it's played out like that so many times that just mark it down. It'll be a miracle if this isn't a blowout. Don't act stupid. Don't. Don't act stupid. What does he do? He acts stupid. What does she do? She acts stupid. That would be a dumb choice. Just stop. Just, it'd be a good idea to stop. Just stop. Do they stop? No. That's kind of foreknowledge that parents have. That's the kind of foreknowledge that spouses have with each other. God knows our hearts. <laughs> if we have the indwelt Holy Spirit, he's right there searching it out. Any type of sports you do, you know, you get, you, you know, you do martial arts, especially, you know, you got a black belt, the instructor, and then you got a white belt that comes in. The black belt instructor pretty much knows what the white belt student's going to do before he does it. He don't make him, he don't force him, he just kind of knows. God's knowledge and his thoughts and her ways are so much higher than we are. So we don't want to put forth and say something irreverently or blasphemous like God can't know things. That wouldn't be a fair way to talk about God. But I do believe after we've looked at, I mean, this is four messages, it's almost four hours of teaching on it. I do believe we can fairly say that God who is omnipotent is so powerful that he can choose the things that he knows. And if he chooses to, he can forget and remember and not remember things as part of his attributes. His creation, the plan of salvation, all that stuff we talked about. Yeah, that's, he knows all that. That's not changing. But I think we got, I think we got enough verses on that. I hope this study was a blessing for you. You have any other questions on knowledge? Yes, my wife. She, she, or no? She said no. Ask our kids. <laughs> the kids will know all things. I think, I think what we need to know more of. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.